just commending you uh, for being here uh, the first Sunday of 2023. It's not very often we get the opportunity to worship together on the very first day of the year. And maybe for you, uh, it's a goal. Maybe for you, it's a resolution. Maybe even if you're at home watching, it's a goal that you want to worship with God more intentionally. And I would encourage you as a family, as an individual, that um, that's one of the best goals uh, for a new year is to worship God on a consistent basis, to gather with people, something special happens. And so I just want to commend you because you made it. January 1st, 2023, you may have been up late last night. You may have had uh, way too much you know, sparkling apple cider. You may have had one too many cookies. You may have watched far too much of a football game that disappointed you in the end at midnight, but, uh, but, you, are, but you are here. Um, and what better way to begin a new year uh, than worshiping together with, with other people? Uh, I have a challenge for you this morning, and then I want to take you on a journey. And here's the challenge. I want you to think about the time that you have as you begin this year. And the challenge is this to invest the time that you have this year, whether you're in junior high, whether you're in high school, whether you're an adult who's aging, to use the time in a way that most honors the heart of God and brings the most eternal return for the hours and the minutes and the days and the weeks that you invest. What would it look like for you to invest your time in such a way, the time that God gives you, in a way that matters most for eternity? And probably to answer that question, you're going to need to have conversations. If you're here with a family, you need to talk about it in your car ride. You need to talk about it at meals. You're going to need to meet with a group of friends who have similar priorities and gather at a coffee shop and say, what would it look like to invest my time, the seconds, the minutes, the hours, the days, the weeks, the months that God gives me this year in a way that brings the greatest return for his kingdom, where he can make the most impact in my life, but also through my life in this world. And to help us think about that, I, I want us to go on a journey. And so if you, if you have uh, your token, go ahead and grab that out. Uh, does anybody not get a token? If, if you didn't get one, hey, see, I got a handful here. And I'm not in the live stream anymore. So if anybody else needs one, I've got some up here on the stage. You can grab them or they're, back, they're at the back door. Um, just go ahead and grab that token out and, and hold it in your hand. And then I, I want you to go on a journey with me. Uh, you're going to need to use your imagination a little bit. But to help you with imagination, uh, I'm going to give you some jump start and some pictures, okay? And so I want you to see this first picture. And it's okay for audience participation. Uh, what do you see in the picture, kids especially? What do you see? Yeah, kids love to play. I heard arcade over here. And so here's what I'd like for you to do. If you enjoy arcades, whether you're a kid, a teenager, or an adult, go ahead and just give me your best face of when you walk into a room and you see the amazing arcade, right? Like smile from ear to ear. It's excitement. Like who? I, mean, I say there are people that probably don't like the arcades. So I want to ask that question. But many of us like uh, arcades. Um, to go in and to play, you just see games as far as the eye can see. You, you hear the dings and you hear the bells and you hear the laser fire and you, you hear the, you know, the revving of engines on racing games. You hear the, the sound of the basketball you know, going in the hoop, the skee-ball machine. Maybe even you, you, you see the, 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 the joy at the ticket counter. And speaking of that, uh, I want you to see the prize counter next. Because what arcade is complete without the prize counter, right? 
And, and the prize counter is placed so strategically, it's organized so well, the big prizes up top that you can never even hope to obtain, but they make it seem like it's obtainable. And then you've got the small glass counter below with the, the things that you might be able to earn enough tickets to purchase. You know, in that small glass case, they usually have uh, maybe pieces of candy, like 10 tickets for a Tootsie Roll, or 25 tickets for a piece of taffy, or maybe 100 tickets for one of those sticky hands that you throw up on the ceiling one time and it won't come back down. And so with your cathedral ceilings, it sets there for months and then maybe even years. Or maybe it's 300 tickets for a bouncy ball or something else that you want. And then you have the, the big prizes up top. And usually there's some incredible electronic gadget. Maybe it's a tablet. Maybe it's a gaming console. And they have huge numbers on, like 50,000 tickets. And if you do the math, you realize that I'm probably going to have to spend 10 times what that item's worth even to win it. Um, but that's the prize counter. But what does it take to get things at the prize counter? And that leads to the next picture. It takes tickets. Now, I know this is a little bit dated. I know there are still some arcades, some gaming centers that take tokens and issue tickets. Many of them are switching over to cards and card readers, but I think many of us still can think of times when we could put tokens in games and play, and the goal was to get as many tickets as you can. The hope was I can enjoy myself by putting my token in the machine, but still take something home with me. My experience can lead to something more. So kind of with those images in your mind, I want you to imagine with me. So whatever it takes, if you've got to close your eyes, if you've got to stare at your token, I want you to imagine something with me. Uh, you've gone into this beautiful, incredible, loud arcade. But you don't have just one token. Go ahead and take that token and place it in your palm of your hand. Maybe cup it. And think of that token and being maybe hundreds of tokens in your hand. You feel like your hour has limitless possibilities. And so you begin racing around the arcade and you're putting token in machine after machine after machine. And maybe, maybe you run to that machine where you can womp the groundhogs with a hammer. Or maybe you run to that machine where you can shoot baskets and earn tickets. Or maybe you go to the machine, the skee-ball machine, where you can roll that ball and try to hit a target worth 1,000 points, 10,000 points. Or maybe you go to the big wheel that you can spin, hoping to earn all kinds of tickets. Or maybe you go to Let's Make a Deal and you try to you know, get the right briefcase. Or maybe you jump on the motorcycle to, to race through the streets of Los Angeles. So for minutes, you're moving from machine to machine. You're laughing. Tickets are spitting out of the machines. You're stuffing them in your pockets. They're hanging out. You're bartering. You're trading. And then the moment comes when you look into your hand, and there are only a few tokens left. What happens in that moment? For many of us, in that moment, there's a little bit of regret, maybe a twinge of regret. I remember having this experience with my own children, and you look at the tokens and you feel the tickets in your pocket and you think, oh man, I, I need more. And so every child, every student, every adult starts coming up with a plan. Which games can I play to get the most tickets that have the greatest reward? And so you spend the next several moments moving from game to game, but you bypass the ones that maybe you enjoy but don't offer much in return and you choose those games that bring you the most tickets. 
Go ahead and pinch that token in your hand and just look at it for a moment. When you know you only have one token left or a few tokens left, does it change the games that you play? It does, doesn't it? Once you realize that the number of tokens you have is limited, you want to use them differently to get a better return. You want more tickets. But let me let you in on a secret. Your tokens were always limited. Even when your hands were full, you had a limited supply, but it's something about seeing how few there are that you realize that I need to make the most of these. What would happen if when you began your time in the arcade, if you realized I only have a limited number, let me make the most of these now, you would get a greater return, more tickets, bigger prizes. I want you to look at that token again, and I want you to imagine that the token represents time. It represents your seconds, your minutes, your hours, your days, your weeks, your months, your year. I'm guessing over the last few days, especially if you're middle school or older, maybe you've taken a few moments, even if it's just a handful of moments, to reflect on 2022, and maybe there's some regret, how you spent your time, what you did, what you didn't do, maybe what was done to you. But even as you had those feelings of regret, you looked out to a new year, 2023, and you saw the potential. Maybe there was optimism that filled you, like there's a whole year that lies ahead. We sit in a pretty uh, advantageous uh, place this morning. We're only a few hours into 2023. You still have the bulk of 12 months, 52 weeks, 365 days, 8,760 hours, 526,500 minutes, 31,536,000 seconds remaining in your day and remaining in your year. And you probably think my hands are full, but they're still limited. How will you use the seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks and months that lie ahead? Will you use them for those things that matter most to the heart of God? Will you recognize that your time is limited? I want to show you a passage of scripture. It's in Psalm 139. It's a passage we often read in January as we think about the value of human life. In Psalm 139, the, the psalmist talks about how God knows everything. He knows what you think before you think it. He knows where you're going to go before you go there. He knows the words you're going to speak before your tongue even begins to form the sound. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And he tells us this in Psalm 139, verse 16. He writes of God. God, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Here are a couple important truths about time. Yes, your time is limited, but also God alone knows the number of your days. God alone knows the number of the tokens that you have to use and spend in this life. And that should challenge us to use those wisely. The psalmist in Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach me, O God, to number my days that I might live wisely. I'm gonna take you back to the arcade for a moment. 
when you're in the arcade, once you realize that your days are numbered, your, your tokens are numbered, you spend them differently. And when we recognize that our days and our minutes and our hours are numbered, we should spend them differently. So what should change for you? If the challenge that lies before us for all human beings made and formed and created in God's image is to honor him with our lives, what needs to change so that you invest that life more intentionally in the things that matter most to the heart of God? What needs to change in how you spend your free time? Do you need to honestly evaluate how much time you spend in, in front of one of these? How much time you spend scrolling and swiping? How much time you spend in, in front of the television? How much time you spend binging or playing video games? How much time you spend recreating or traveling from this place to the next? And, and I'm not at all suggesting that watching television or playing a video game or, or, or binging a show is necessarily bad, but do we really think about how much we're investing in those things for the return that they bring? And if you're a disciple of Jesus, we should be asking, what's the eternal return? Like, how does this make a difference, not just for now, not just for how I feel, but how does it make a difference for what matters most to the heart of God? And that should shape how we invest our time. It should change how we invest our, our minutes and our hours and our days. What would happen if you viewed your time like those tokens? They're numbered. God alone knows the number. How would you invest them differently? Would you escape the same way with your time? Would you numb yourself the same way with your time? Would you grumble? Would you complain? Would you, would you, would you gossip the same with your time? What would you do differently? Again, those are questions I can't answer for you. The word of God is the best place to turn to allow God to inform what should shift and change in how you invest those moments, those minutes, those hours, those days. I want to take you to one final passage that I think gives us some clarity and maybe a starting point. Um, it's, a, it's a favorite passage of mine. It's in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, even our kids are probably familiar with some of Hebrews 11. It's, it's that chapter in Hebrews that talks about these great people of faith like Noah and Abraham and, and Moses and great women of faith like uh, Ruth or Rahab and they they tell stories of how God used them to make a difference in the world. And here's what it says about Moses in verses 24 through 27. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Uh, this, this brief um, description of Moses' life offers us some goals for how we might invest the tokens of our life, the time of our life. Look at verse 24. Moses, you may recall from the story in Exodus, uh, rose in prominence. Stephen even tells in the sermon Acts that he kind of, um, you know, was schooled in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was a prominent man, an influential man, uh, held a great office. 
But yet, what did Moses choose? He chose to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He didn't spend his time chasing accolades and titles and power. Verse 25, he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He didn't spend his time pursuing those things that would satisfy his sinful pleasures. Verse 26, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. He didn't spend his time just trying to amass and accumulate all the gadgets, all the gizmos, all, all, the, all the great things of life. And why? Because he was looking ahead to his great reward. And then in verse 27, he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. He chose to spend his life. He chose to spend his time. He chose to spend his tokens looking at what brought the greatest return for the kingdom of God. Will you do that in in 2023? We're going to take a moment uh, here uh, and celebrate the Lord's Supper together. We have communion stations all around the room. Uh, They have prepackaged communion, again, like we had on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. It's a time when we gather together as a church, and if you're a disciple of Jesus, if you've made a commitment to following Jesus, we want you to share in the Lord's Supper with us. You don't have to be a part of Lebanon Christian Church, but it's a time when we eat this small piece of bread that represents Jesus' body that he gave for us. He, He died for us to save us from sin. And the juice represents his blood that he willingly poured out for us on the cross, again, to rescue us from sin. He gave his all for us to rescue us to something far greater than just frivolously spending it and wasting time. He gave it to us to invest it intentionally, to make a difference for eternity like he did for us. And so in a moment after I pray, you're welcome to get up and grab some of the prepackaged communion around the room and come back to your seat and share in the Lord's Supper together. And after we've given you some time, we'll sing a couple more songs together before we're dismissed into our new year. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you know the number of our days. I thank you, Father, that as we begin a new year and look out and we see the possibilities that you want to guide us and and how we use those. And God, you know every life in this room is unique and valued. There are unique temptations that will face every one of us. But God, you want to lead us through and you want to show us the best way to spend these lives that you've entrusted to us. So would you do that, Father, from the three-year-old to the 30-year-old to the 83-year-old? Would you help us know how to spend our lives well because You've given your life for us to rescue us to something so much greater. Would you be honored and praised and pleased? In your name we pray, amen.